Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. Christmas is coming early to All Things Cozy. This week, we're joined by Bran Gray and Alonzo Duraldi, authors of the book, I'll Be Home for Christmas Movies, the Deck the Hallmark podcast guide to your holiday TV obsession. Bran is one of the hosts of the Deck the Hallmark podcast, which I have to say is one of the coziest podcasts of all time, after ours, of course. And Alonzo Duraldi is film reviews editor for The Wrap and host of the Linoleum Knife podcast, along with about a dozen other podcasts. But our listeners know him as a regular Christmas visitor and all things cozy's personal Santa Claus. Welcome, Bran and Alonzo. Welcome. Thanks. Wow. What a great intro. <laughs> I, I've never called Alonzo my personal Santa Claus, but you better believe I am now. <laughs> new tagline. I will take it. We will have to fight you over him. He's our well, personal no, Santa Claus. No, you can you can have him as a show personal Santa Claus, but as a being, like me personally, I'm going to change him in my phone as personal Santa Claus. <laughs> Santa is for everybody. That's right. <laughs> You're referring to yourself, right, Alonzo? Uh, yes, if we're going to go there. <laughs> it's, I have to say, it's so wonderful to be joined by people who have also opened their hearts to the special kind of comfort, but also strangeness of Hallmark Channel movies. We can't wait to learn more about how you adapted hundreds of podcast episodes into one tidy volume. But first, let's check in with what's making us feel cozy this week. I'll kick it off. What's making me feel cozy this week are chimichangas from mm. Cha Cha Chili's, mm. which isn't just me saying like not chilies the chain. I'm not like trying to put some extra <laughs> spice on, on it. That I, I don't like. I'm not like going to the suburbs and being like, let's go to Cha Cha Chili's. Uh, Cha Cha Chili's is uh, a Korean Mexican fusion place in El Sereno, which is in a neighborhood in East Los Angeles. I'm a vegetarian, so I got the tofu version of the chimichangas. And I know for some of, some of you listening, you're already not interested in that, but I have to tell you, it was absolutely delicious and the perfect blend of flavors. And it was just really fantastic. I mean, fried tortilla plus an extremely friendly staff equals very, very cozy. What I like about fusion restaurants, or at least in my experiences, that they're mostly just okay. And I use that as a compliment because sometimes they, they hit the mark. And other times, not so much. And when they don't, it's oddly cozy. It feels it feels homemade and all the yeah. It's like the wrong way, <laughs> just okay in a comforting way. Yeah. Well, I feel like I guess when you're already kind of blending two amazing cuisines, one of them's got to work out, right? Even if you're slacking on one of them, one of them's going to pick up that slack. Yes, one always gets left behind. Yeah. which is <laughs> I don't. In this case, comforting. I would say they were. It was the perfect fusion. So if you're ever in Los Angeles, take a take a trip to Cha Cha Chili's. I like the name too. It has a pep in it step for sure. It is also how I feel about chilies in general. Surely something on this menu is good. And, and I have to try it all to figure it out. I used to be obsessed with chilies in college. I'd go there like it was my own personal Mecca. Yeah. Yeah. There's a point in every person's life where they realize that chilies is is just chilies. Yeah. Well, it's it's it kind of like Hallmark Channel movies. It's always there for you, <laughs> it is whether or not there. it's good for you. <laughs> right, that's right. It's a dead end, man, but sometimes yeah. <laughs> it's all you've got. <laughs> um, Jillian, what's making you feel cozy this week? I'm being swept away by the wind, literally and in my heart. So <laughs> the wind has been very cozy in LA lately. It's picked up. I don't know if it's La Nina. I was trying to research that this morning. Uh, it's because El Nino and La Nina, I don't know what's going on, but... <laughs> You're looking into all the weather patterns. <laughs> I'm looking, I, I'm really looking Junior into Junior meteorologist, Jillian Walters. Well, I wanted to be a meteorologist <laughs> when I was younger, so perhaps know this that. is... Yeah, this is my way I, in. I am also a weather nerd, and I can confirm it's the La Nina. There you go. It's always the La Nina. You know, I, we, we needed to add a weather segment to this show, and I'm glad we're finally <laughs> doing it. Amen. <laughs> It's just really cozy listening to the swish of the trees and the rustling of the leaves when you're watching, you know, Only Murders in the Building or some cozy show. Mm. Um, it's not really great, I think, for L.A. in general, the wind. <laughs> but when it's the nighttime and I'm watching all my cozy shows and having a glass of wine, it's extremely cozy. And we have these bamboo trees outside the neighbors, so we can't look into their house. <laughs> and so uh, all the little bamboo leaves rustling down the driveway, it just makes for cornucopia of cozy sounds and you know you live in LA when you're singing the praises of wind. 
because there's not a lot of weather diversity over no, here. No, 100% though. I, I've, I've felt the same way. It's also not been very sunny, so I get to imagine it's actually fall. Just feeling a little cold and windy. Um, although I will say it was so windy uh, last week that the wind blew a crow into our window <laughs> and destroyed our screen. Ominous. There's definitely some symbol. Well, Jillian hates crows, so she's probably yes. glad to hear that. Well, I feel like they've been following me lately. <laughs> That's a whole other thing, but... Sorry, Alonzo. We don't have much weather in LA, but at least we have we have the hot wind and we have the cold wind, and the cold wind is always preferable. Absolutely. Yes. Alonzo, how about you? What's making you feel cozy? Well, mine is uh, it's going to kind of piggy piggyback on uh, Jillian's in that uh, we, we this is sort of LA autumn weather, which is for for most places probably late summer weather, but for us it's relatively cool, uh, and so that means it's oven weather, and that means <laughs> that. It's time to be baking, and uh, right now Dave is slow roasting a six-pound pork shoulder in our oven. Apologies, vegetarians. Um, That has been smeared with this, like, garlic and anchovy paste that just smells amazing. And uh, I know that hours from now I'm going to get to eat that. So that's Mm -hmm. what's making me feel cozy today. I really hate that my mouth is watering, and I would never do that. (laughs) I'm cozy just thinking about that, Alonzo. (laughs) I'll be and over it, there in a few hours. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll put a plate out. Thank I you. like the idea of oven weather. I've never heard it described that way, but that's a very cozy description. I mean, because also we live in an old building that doesn't have air conditioning. So it, it does literally become a thing of like, can I turn the oven on mm-hmm. today? Is it going to turn the entire mm-hmm. apartment into its own <laughs> oven? Um, so, you know, it becomes a kind of thing where there's certain times of year you can do it whenever you want. And other times where like early in the morning or late at night and other times that thing is not going on. Yeah, my husband and I made the mistake uh, when it was hot to decide randomly to put the oven on the cleaning setting which is when it goes up to like a thousand degrees to clean it and incinerate everything. Yeah, definitely. It was, it was a, a very Hansel and Gretel situation going on in our apartment. That's when you put on wrap up in towels and decide you're just going to have a schwitz. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can't say that on the show, Alonzo. We're a clean podcast. (laughs) Bran, how about you? What's making you feel cozy this week? I was um, recently introduced to uh, something called peanut butter whiskey by a company called Screwball. And I'm not a whiskey guy, nor am I really a peanut butter guy. Peanut butter's (laughs) fine, but I'm not like... But together. (laughs) But together, what a combination. And my wife has been making this uh, like peanut butter cup martini in the evenings. And uh, that mixed with the fall weather outside here in South Carolina makes for one heck of a cozy evening uh, it's everything that I've I've ever wanted in a in a drink, and I finally have it. I'm very excited about it. So that's what's making me cozy. I think you won. What's making us feel cozy this week? Wow, I won. Cup. You won. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> My first time, and I won <laughs> a peanut butter cup martini. Yeah, that sounds yeah 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 so delightful. I love anything peanut butter flavorless, especially when it's mixed with chocolate. But that sounds amazing. It is. It's it's fantastic. Highly recommend. We will need to get the recipe for that so we can make it ourselves. Yes. I will, I will do my best, and maybe you can put it in the description of this, of this episode. Yeah, absolutely. You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's talk about some Hallmark Channel movies. Before we dive into the book, though, I know a lot of our listeners are dedicated to Deck the Hallmark podcast. But for those who aren't, can you give us a quick synopsis of your show so we have a foundation here so people can understand just the kind of cult following you developed? <laughs> Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, me and two buddies of mine started the podcast a couple years ago. Um, and the goal was for me to watch these movies that I love and talk about it with my buddies, but also to make my, my buddy Dan miserable. Cause I knew he would hate them and, uh, brought Panda along for the ride. Cause I, I, he's just down for whatever, which you need a friend like that. And, uh, we started watching them and it was a, just a, you know, a fun di- dynamic of three buddies, watching them and dissecting them and kind of having the whole uh, spectrum of loving and hating and everything in between. Uh, and we got really lucky early on in our, uh, our, our career. That's what I'm going to call it. Um, where we got invited on good morning America during the first holiday season that we did the show. And um, a lot of people found out about us through there. And we were really uh, just like blown away that anyone would talk about us, let alone let us go on national TV and talk about Hallmark movies. Uh, so it was kind of a perfect storm of, 
of, of luck for us. And so we've been going ever since we're coming up actually uh, when this releases, we'll be uh, kicking off our, our, our fourth season, which is insane. Congratulations. Um, so thank yeah. you. So yeah, we are about 500 episodes deep now and uh, got this book coming out. And so all of it is very surreal. Um, and I'm just blown away that anyone still, like at this point we do the same thing every episode and people still listen. So I do feel like Hallmark channel in that respect, like, <laughs> you know, what's you know, what's going to happen with the show and you still tune in and that's still boggles my mind, but yeah, that's deck the Hallmark. Well, yeah, it's the perfect marriage of the stuff you're talking about is cozy, but also your podcast is extremely cozy. So it's, it's almost a, a lethal amount of coziness. Um, yeah, a little dangerous actually. And now we're blessed with a book companion to your podcast titled I'll be home for Christmas movies, the deck, the hallmark podcast guide to your holiday TV obsession. And the book is an incredible guide to hallmark holiday movies and covers, I I think I counted them right. 116 hallmark channel movies. Yep. Um, okay, great. I, I, I passed my math test, but it also includes holiday recipes and hosting tips. I really just had so much fun reading this book. I'd pick it up thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna read about a couple movies. I want to know what Nikki DeLoach has to say about this. But then I would, like an hour would pass and I'd have read like 50 or 60 pages. Like, and I just inhaled this book. It is addicting. It's so good. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, a lot of credit obviously goes to Alonzo who helped, uh, you know, and by helped, I mean, did it all. He took the audio <laughs> version of our show and made it into these really fun, bite-sized portions and still like kept the humor of it. And, uh, when I, you know, when I was reading it for the first time, uh, like the, the written version of the show, cause I had no idea how that, cause you know, we talk, we say things and who knows if it actually makes sense. But, uh, Alonso did such an amazing job of making it coherence and also like keeping the life and the humor of the show in these bite-sized portions. So it's really all thanks to Alonzo that it's as uh, fun of a read as it is. And that kind of leads into what I was going to ask before I ask a question. I also want to piggyback off of Matt's comment, just say that I truly had a blast reading this book. I was cackling on my couch. <laughs> my heart's <laughs> like, What's, what are you reading? Um, so as, as the wind was rustling outside it was just the perfect combination and i'm a newbie to the hallmark christmas movies i think matt always had more of a knowledge base than i did so sometimes it can feel a little overwhelming because the hallmark universe is just so big even reading about the history of hallmark in the book i was like wow there's been so many different um changes to the network and all of that stuff and even with all that going on the book is so digestible and fun so Throwing it to both of you, what were the early discussions on the book structure and how was the format ultimately decided on? What happened was uh, Bran, who is, I, I have to say, like, you know, the, yes, the fact that, that, that the deck the homework got on uh, Good Morning America early on really kind of boosted their, their visibility. But Bran is just one of those idea guys and he will, he will go out and make the ask and just like let the chips fall where they may. Like one of the things that impressed me early on about the show, I had heard the first episode where they talk about a movie called Rocky mountain Christmas. And I thought it was very funny. And I I tweeted about it. And then almost immediately they posted a second episode, which is an interview with Christopher Palaha, who's like the star of Rocky mountain Christmas. (laughs) And Brand just like sent it to him on Instagram was like, Hey, we talked about your movie. You want to come on the show? And he said, yes. And so, like I just want to do just to, to set up like Bran will 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 go out and make the big ask and you know see mm-hmm. where it comes up. So I had been on the show, I'd gotten to know these guys and 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 all of that. And one day out of the blue, he goes, "Hey, so if we did a book, what would that be?" And my immediate answer was like, "God, I have no idea." <laughs> and then it was just one of those things where I didn't really think about it. And then about a week and a half later, I woke up one morning. And I knew exactly what it would be. <laughs> and and, and I, I, I had a, a, a format in mind where it would basically be sort of a, a film guide, like a much smaller version of like, you know, the Leonard Malton thing, you know, where you would get that book every year and it would have thousands of titles in it. But it would basically be like, you know, there'd be an entry for each of the movies that they had reviewed and then just kind of like a summation without getting to hear the entire episode, which you, you certainly should go do after you've read it. But I think, you know, just to give people a taste of what this podcast is, why it's so funny and why their insight on these movies is both so kind of loving and critical at the same time. Uh, so I sort of 
figured out what that part of it was going to be. And then, you know, in discussions with the guys and with, you know, my agent who is very, you know, smart about this kind of thing, we figured out, well, let's, let's have the guys voices in it in terms of how did this podcast come together? What does Christmas mean to them? Uh, and then also this notion of like, if you want to throw a Hallmark party, like what would you serve and how would you do it? And so that became part of it as well. So it all kind of came together piece by piece. Yeah. And I, I will add like when we, uh, like Alonzo made so much sense to us because he's, you know, one of the only people I know, only person I know that's written a Christmas book and had it published. So when it comes to having our own Christmas themed movie book, it was a no brainer for us to talk to Alonzo. And we just said, Hey, we just got to make sure that the cover of our book is better than yours. And he was like, shouldn't be hard. And so, uh, and so it all worked out well. No, just when the publisher was started talking to us about what the book should look like, I said, well, I don't want it to look like a 16 millimeter rental catalog, which is what my last book looked like. Yeah. Alonzo wrote, have yourself a movie, little Christmas, which is, also a great Christmas companion for really mm-hmm. any Christmas movie. I have that on my coffee table all through the season and I've discovered a lot of great films through that. So check Thank that you. out too. It's great. But yeah, the cover, the cover is like of a certain era, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> and it's cozy. It, it, it's it is cozy. cozy. It's very cozy. Talking about Hallmark Channel movies in particular, considering another 40 are produced annually and so many are covered by the podcast itself, Covering those sound incredibly daunting, especially in book form. So what was your approach to narrowing down the movies you'd cover? I mean, we've been working on this book. We've been talking about it, creating it with the publisher for, what is it? Uh, two, two years. Two years now. Wow. Yeah. Um, so we started uh, working on it in the, before the fall of, of 20, right, Alonzo? Yeah, I, I mean, I'd say the, the pitches went out in like late summer 2019. Yeah, 2019. And um, so we had already, you know, by the time we started working on the book, we already had all of 2018 and all of 2019 finished. So we were like, well, we can do all these movies. And then, you know, we got to 2020 and the book was going to come out in 2021. And we were like, we'd love, you know, to include these movies. And they were like, you know, you can do a handful of them, but because of, you know, dates and stuff. I don't know what, how books are made. Uh, but they're like, you can, you know, do this, this many 10, I think is what it was or something like that. How five, many was it along? We, we did five from 2020, but then also, uh, these guys were, because they, it's a year round podcast yeah. for the rest of the year, they are talking about Hallmark movies. And then they're, they, they started doing more and more kind of vintage Hallmark Christmas movies. So even movies that aired before the podcast came on the air in 2018, they really started racking up the like 2015, 2016, 2017 titles over the rest of the year. So I was able to insert those in the book as well, along with, you know, five new movies from 2020, just to kind of keep things a little more up to date once it hit. So by, but once it was all said and done, these were 116 movies that they had already done on the show. And so all I had to do was sort of do what I did, for all of these, which was kind of like transcribe it, chop, 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 you know, pick out fun little moments from each episode and, and, you know, have that be the entry for those films. Yeah. And I mean, hopefully, I mean, the more really fun thing we've done over the last year with Alonzo is on Mondays, we've been reviewing a, a classic Christmas movie from a different network. So Lifetime, mm-hmm. BET, Netflix, these different channels that are kind of in this space doing you know, what people would consider a Hallmark Christmas movie. Like that's just a generic name of it now. Um, And so, you know, hopefully this book does really well. We can do another uh, version of it where we dive into a lot of these other networks and uh, include those movies as well. So uh, hopefully that pans out. Yeah, there's just so much material to cover considering so many TV holiday movies come out every year. Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, almost 500 episodes in at this point, and we just, like, I haven't even scratched the surface of all of the movies. You're going to just have to end up creating an encyclopedia. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) at some point. Well, it's also fun in the book how you could, you didn't have to follow an order. You just skip around if you wanted to, and that's, that's a big piece of why it was so enjoyable yeah, if you're a fan of particular movies and you just want to like jump to that page and see what the guys have to say about it, that's an option. Or you can read it start to finish and just sort of like kind of follow along with, you know, 
just the, the 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 breadth of what's being covered here. I mean, the breadth within the prospect within the within the parameters of Hallmark, obviously, which is you know, there's a there is a sameness, but there is also a a, a uniqueness for each title. For sure. So Deck the Hallmark has been embraced by many of the people who make and star in Hallmark Channel movies, and so many of them add fascinating tidbits about the making of those films. Um, I already mentioned, like, I already mentioned Nikki Deloach, but she's my favorite Hallmark star, and it was Good. really affirming. <laughs> I know it's the, it's the correct choice. I just know that's the case. It is the correct choice. That's right. <laughs> and it was affirming to hear her approach to bringing the right amount of weight to the emotional moments in the films. Like her quote in the book was, uh, she says. Instead of feeling devastated in the scene, I'm just going to feel nostalgic or I'm just going to be remembering a moment instead of being gutted. Because there is that way of like these horrific things will happen to these characters, but somehow their reaction has to be light enough to sustain the tone of a Hallmark film. And I think why she's my favorite is she just gets it. She just understands like exactly mm-hmm. the, the tone of the film and what, they, what it needs. And I really love the book for revealing those sort of behind the scenes moments. And I'm curious... You have this participation from the filmmakers and stars themselves, but have you heard much from the Hallmark Channel itself? Are they sending you any, uh, this is my Hallmark Channel movie watching mug, or, or are they, are they hands off? It's a good question. Um, and also, I could talk about Nikki DeLoach all day long as well. She's the best. Um, so, yeah, in, you know, bits and pieces, I think. Uh, ironically, uh, the old CEO who's no longer there, president, whatever you want to call him, Bill Abbott, really liked our show, which was something we didn't really expect uh, early on. But we like had this weird relationship with him where we would talk to him and he would like thank us for our notes and stuff like like no notes that we say in the, the podcast, mm-hmm. like thanks for passing those along. And it was just like <laughs> this weird, weird relationship and he was kind of our point of contact, which was just an odd thing to have the president of a network be your point of contact. Um, but once, you know, things transpired with him, um, and this is cozy, we don't need to get in all that. Um, but once that happened, we've kind of, we haven't had much of a relationship with them. They, uh, I, my guess is that they don't love us or hate us. They just kind of put up with us at this point, which is fair. Um, so they are very nice when we, when we, uh, you know, reach out and ask for, you know, specific things, they get it to us if they can, but they're not, you know, going out of their way to, you know, create special stuff for us. So, and you know, no, we don't really get goodie bags or anything like that, but, um, you know, they're, they're kind, they're kind. That sounds about right for Hallmark. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Neutral. Maybe it's the best thing. So there are so many sweet anecdotes in this book. And one of them that really stood out to me when the writer of Cherished Memories, A Gift to Remember to Topher Payne, uh, gave a sweet anecdote about naming a character after his late friend. And I would consider that in all the feels moments, take a, a page out of the Deck the Hallmark review system. And going off of that, I know that making a book is a labor of love and it takes so much effort and time and also the the hallmark widows you mentioned brand so a lot of your family's involved and the whole whole big universe of different people and so much work goes into it so to both of you what were your all the feels moments in creating this book oh good question that's a great question i'll let alonzo go first um you know i, I don't know that it was one singular thing is just kind of the the aggregate of it all where like i I started hearing their voices in my head all the time because I was just <laughs> listening to so many episodes back to back. And I think that this is, you know, if you are somebody who follows media criticism in general, or particularly like say film Twitter or TV Twitter, like so much of that can be so look what I know or look how cool I am for liking this thing and not liking that other thing. And these guys like bring such genuine sentiment to their feelings about the film, whether it's, you know, a brand being, you know, delighted with something, whether it's Dan rolling his eyes about something, uh, it just, it all comes from this really great place, I think. And so, I think overall, I just I got the feels from their camaraderie and the way that they talk about these movies because I think one of the things that I love about the show so much is it is this kind of perfect balance. 
like I feel like they're all speaking for me in a way because I do get pleasure and I do get happiness out of these movies. And also there is the part of me that understands how cinema works, that knows that they're kind of terrible for the most part, you know? <laughs> and so I feel like if anything, you know, the, the, like it was great that they became the literal voices in my head because I feel like when they talk about these movies, they are the voices in my head. To that point, there are so many little feels throughout the process that ultimately looking back is just one giant feel. So, you know, getting the manuscript from Alonzo for the first time and reading through it and being like, wow, this is like fun. This is like, I didn't know how it was going to turn out, but this is so fun to read. And then getting the uh, options for the cover for the first time and picking through those and getting pictures back from our photo shoots and Mm -hmm. finally getting the book that's been, you know, two years in the pro in the, in the works and pushed back a month because of COVID stuff and finally getting it in the mail and holding it and being like this bigger than I thought and nicer than I thought. And like this whole time, it's just kind of been like, you know, what, what is, what is, what are books? Uh, (laughs) But finally getting it and being like, wow, like this is like the weight of it in your hand. Yeah. 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 And feel like opening it up and seeing the words and, I don't know. All of it is very surreal and crazy. And so all these little field moments um, throughout the last couple of years, finally uh, holding the book in my hand is probably the, the greatest like culmination of all of those feels in one. I want to say great, congratulations to you both. It's just so amazing accomplishment. Of course, other other guys are the Deck the Hallmark podcast, but it sounds like it's so special working together and collaborating between you two. And yeah, it's it's I know everyone's going to love it for sure. Thank you. And I mean, you know, the other feels of all this is, you know, when the, when these guys started this show three years ago, I didn't know them from a can of paint. And I feel like in the in the last three years, like <laughs> I have formed genuine friendships with all three of them, you know, and, uh, you know, they they came to L.A. and did a live show and, and they you know, came to the apartment and did an episode of Linoleum Knife and I got to do uh, on stage with them and, you know, then going to Greenville for the launch of, of Countdown to Christmas this year. Um, you know, I, I feel like I made three really great friends in this whole process and, and it, it certainly didn't start out as, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to write a book with these guys. It was literally just <laughs> your podcast makes me laugh and I like it. And, uh, you know, and it just, it just sort of blossomed from there. Yeah. It's kind of amazing because that's how, it, the, how the natural inception of you two coming together and Deck Hallmark, because reading the intros of the book and how each each of you came together to even to make Deck the Hallmark, it was very organic. So it's mm. nice that this cozy world has these natural friendships and these this passion develops from from the heart, which is the most organic thing about us. So it was that's one of my favorite parts too, reading about how. Uh, Brandon and everyone just got together into the Hallmark universe. Yeah, well, thanks. Yeah, it's it, again, like Julian said, congratulations. It's an incredible accomplishment. And the the friendship of your show and also the friendship of the three of you with Alonzo together, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, it, you get that friendliness and warmth through the book itself. And so I think I think it really comes through. Yeah, thanks. So that means a lot. I mean, that's the thing that makes us the happiest to hear, you know, with emails from people that listen to the podcast is that especially over the last year um you know feeling like you are hanging out with friends listening to the podcast that's huge for us i mean i i love those guys so much and they always say don't go into business with your friends but like they don't know my friends and i know that sounded <laughs> cheesy but i mean it like they're they're the best dudes and so it makes me so happy that you know, whether you're listening to the podcast or you're reading the book, you, the, the friendship flows out of that. It means so much. So thanks for saying that. From dissecting these films together to now writing tasty recipes and planning fun activities in, the, in this book, um, in particular, I have to say Panda's Frozen Hot Chocolate Movies and Mysteries looks especially <laughs> tasty. Uh, hey, if you want to see it, the, he made that on Good Morning America and Christmas Ooh. in July of 2019. And it is a treat to watch because he can't get the uh, the uh, uh, marshmallow marshmallow fluff, fluff out of the, the can, and it's just great. It's everything that you could hope for with a panda cooking uh, a thing on. That Good sounds right. Marshmallow fluff wouldn't cooperate uh, on live TV. I could imagine. Yeah, that. especially if you're panda. Yeah, it's a real diva. <laughs> I don't know why, but recipe writing always seems extremely hard to me and like complicated. 
And I have to know, like, where did these recipes come from? And did you test them out yourselves? Like, how did these go from ideas and then into the final form in the book? I'm with you 100%. That's why Alonzo did all of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had never written recipes before in a, in a publishing uh, context. And there's a, whole set, there's a whole separate set of rules about, you know, punctuation and, and, and writing, you know, measurement numbers and stuff. So that was really tricky. Um, yeah, it was a mix of things. I, I solicited some recipes from from Linoleum Knife listeners. Uh, I have friends who who um, make this stuff. I, I want to give a shout out to to my friend uh, uh, Paul Tran, who um, has a series on, that he does every so often on YouTube called Paul Tran Baker Man, where he does these <laughs> baking videos, and he just he makes stuff that is delicious and gorgeous, and 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 that's a the thing I I can do one or the other, but not both. Um, he gave me his uh, the 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 peppermint brownie uh, recipe, mm-hmm. which I think is is the the real showstopper in the book. Uh, that came from him. But um, you know, my 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 friend uh, Kim Yusu, I've known since college, who showed up at Dave's and my first not even remotely legal wedding with a giant <laughs> you know container of shortbread cookies. I was like, I need that shortbread recipe. Uh, you know, my my friend Hank, who does a big Christmas party every year and will like actually make eggnog from scratch. You know, so he he came forward with that. So it was really just kind of uh, reaching out to people I knew who had stuff or, you know, there, there were a few that I kind of made up. And uh, and so, yeah, it, it was I was just trying to kind of cover as many bases as possible. Like, what would you serve and how would you make sure that, like, you're accommodating people with various sort of dietary needs? And, you know, I knew because of the way that Dan talks about these movies that we had to have a cheese ball in the book. <laughs> uh, so we do. Um, yeah. That was it was so that that was a challenging part for me because like you know talking about TV and movies I can do no problem but then suddenly when it came about cooking and recipes that that required a little research and 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 help yeah. from wonderful people. And I also found out that photographing food is totally different than just making food and so we got yes. like this food photographer from Asheville I believe and she like you know made them look it's like amazing for these pictures and sometimes she would change things because this wouldn't look good in a picture so like with the frozen hot chocolate i believe there's a picture of it in the book and in that picture in the frozen hot chocolate there's actually um like the stuff that is inside of diapers that makes diapers like (laughs) fluffy and absorbent she put that into the uh, frozen hot chocolate to make it like uh, shimmer a little bit and look really fluffy and good and that's something that you don't know looking at it but now that you have heard it just take a look and be like boy there's diaper in there that's great (laughs) diaper hot chocolate my favorite Oh, it's the best. We did not drink those on set. No, we did not. Yeah. Uh, highly well, suggested all, not to. I love all the names of the recipes, too. I mean, speaking of the peppermint brownies, Save the Town Peppermint Brownies. It just, I wrote it down. It made me laugh. So there's it's so much humor in this book, too, which I love. The recipes themselves, like they look, they look delicious on the photographs. So I think partially, like the the photos of both the Hallmark movies, the clips you've chosen, but also the food photographs are amazing. And it is always fascinating to learn about how the sausage is made, as it were, mm-hmm. when it comes to food <laughs> photography, because it always is like, yeah, we lacquered that with plastic, and it looks <laughs> great, but if you ate it, you'd die. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely not sausage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if your shortbreads don't come out looking quite as festive as they do in the book, don't beat yourself up about it. Just follow yeah, it's the they, It's because be we put cocaine in them exactly. <laughs> to, to look better for cameras. <laughs> it's, yeah, the, the rubber cement is what makes it glisten. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, the recipes were just one of the many delightful tidbits in the book. And there's so much trivia, which I loved. Uh, one of my favorites was Allison Williams talking about the Santa run tradition that she does mm. with her brother-in-law, Brad Paisley, because it's Alonzo already knows I have, I don't want to say it's a sick obsession, but with Father of the Bride. So Kimberly <laughs> Williams is Allison Williams' sister. it's safe sister. to say it's sick. <laughs> it's really turned a corner because now that I'm an adult and I've seen it, now I can know that it's really bad, but I still go head on into it. Yeah, it's, it's basically um, ingrained <laughs> itself in your brain. You can't get rid of it now. Well, yes. Kimberly and Ashley are doing two movies this year together where they play sisters and they each right. lead a, a separate one. So it's a big year for uh, for for the Williamses. Oh, yes. I said Allison for Brian. I brought Brian Williams on the brain, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ashley Williams. And so 
Also, another piece of trivia that I loved was that Hallmark has a brand of wine, which I didn't know. So there's all these little little tidbits that um, <laughs> you can pick up along the way. So to both of you, what were your favorite anecdotes or piece of Hallmark trivia that made it into the book? Uh, I love uh, a Paul Campbell's story about making Godwink Christmas in the middle of summer, which you very often, as you probably know, these movies are made during the summer and the snow is either chemical foam or cotton batting or, you know, all, all sorts of cheats to do it. And he said that, you know, this was a somewhat higher budget film. So they were dealing with, they had actual snow out of like, you know, ice that had been ground up in a machine or whatever. And he goes, you know, you get kind of in the spirit of the thing and you're standing there in a scarf and it's chilly and then you turn 180 degrees and you see like, you know, two PAs wearing like undershirts and shoveling this stuff into a wheelbarrow, <laughs> sweating their beans off is the way he says it. And I just thought that was a, that was a really kind of funny moment of like, yeah, you, you get lost in the fantasy of it and then you realize, I don't know, it's July and somebody is really miserable watching me be nice and cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite is the just the forward in general that Christopher Paul oh, yeah. wrote. Oh yeah, um, it's just uh, one. Uh, he's a really great writer, but the just the the image that he paints uh, of you know finding out about us while he's you know scooping poop out of a sewer or something, something a well or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like it's thing, just yeah. it's it's so great, um, and I, I can just hear his voice while I'm reading that. Um, and so it was just a lot of fun to, to read that. And I thought he put a lot of, of his heart into that. Oh yeah. That was, it was so heartfelt, but also hilarious for the reasons that you mentioned. Yes. It's a nice treat. Yeah. I think something your show gets and, and this book conveys is it, it takes these movies for what they are and can offer you in terms of comfort, but also is real about it. Like we're not saying that some of the situations and things that are said aren't ridiculous and we're going <laughs> to acknowledge that. <laughs> And so I really do like that we get that that balance and flavor. And I think that forward also expresses that and, and really grounds it. Yeah. We want to do some fun rapid fire questions, really just kind Ooh. of to dive in a little bit more oh. into Hallmark Channel movies themselves. So are, are you ready? Always. <laughs> Always ready for rapid fire. It's okay. something that I literally anytime I'm ready for it. <laughs> All right. So brace yourself. So I'm going to kick it off and then Jillian, you can do the next one. Okay. If you had to live in one Hallmark Christmas town forever, where would it be? Evergreen. Evergreen. No question. Easy. <laughs> Hallmark announces it's axing one of its famed Christmas tropes. What would you make you the saddest to see go? And conversely, the happiest. Uh, I think Alonzo, are, are, we love the fake Fake, fake fiance, yes. Yep. We, we, we both they, love be, that. Would be sad to see that one go. I would be <sighs> most happy to get rid of the... Um, the misunderstood overheard conversation that where somebody either hears a snippet of something or sees two people hugging and immediately decides, Oh no, our relationship is over. I must leave town. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm, I would just be, uh, if, if somebody didn't, this happened a lot last year where there's like a musician who's back in his hometown and then he leaves <laughs> for a big show, but decides to not go to the big show and come back to save the pageant. I I'm over that. Like, let's stop it with the musicians always going to like go to their big show. And then they decide not to, I'm, I'm over that at this point. You think of all the canceled tickets. It's, it's really, oh, sad. It's, it's brutal. <laughs> yeah. Think about the fans. <laughs> Next question. Which regular Hallmark actor are you the most excited to see on the screen because you know you're in good hands? Uh, I'm going to cheat, actually, and say it's a, there's a supporting actress who plays a lot of moms in these movies who I think is really great named Terrell Rothery. Um, and she's also a regular on some of the, the, the channel's series that I do not watch. But every time I see her in a movie, I'm just like, yes, this is happening. Uh, I, I will bring back Nikki DeLoach. I just mm. think uh, she's the best that Hallmark has. I think uh, she's the Christmas queen. I did this whole impassioned speech last holiday season because I just don't feel like she gets enough love. She is significantly better at what she does than Candace, than Danica, than Lacey. She's the best they have. Agreed. 100%. No argument good here. <laughs> good choices. What's the most important step in the crystal dance? Oh, wow. Uh, this question makes no sense to people that don't know the show or that very specific bit, but I love it. And I'm going to go with, I, I think you got to, to, to shake it, shake it twice without, without the shake. What do you have? Nothing. That, that's what makes the dance. 
See, I think everybody jumps to the shake, but I think the stirring is really you gotta you need that as your base. You've got well, to, you again, grab. It's, it, that is the cornerstone, I suppose. Yeah, and then of course everybody knows you clap three times. And, yeah, and then there you go. I hope that question doesn't tear the fan base apart. <laughs> if all the Hallmark Channel holiday movies were going to be deleted in some sort of massive purge, which one would you save and why? Ooh, wow! If I'm if I'm down to one. I got to go with 2019's Two Turtle Doves, uh, which is the, the Nikki DeLoach movie and that you were quoting earlier where she talked about like not being in constant grief. I think that is the movie that for all the times that they, have, they give you like protagonists with one or more dead parents uh, and people mm-hmm. d- dealing with the fact that Christmas can be melancholy because it reminds you of family members that are no longer there. I think that's the movie that does it the best. And in fact... Within that film, there is a scene in which Nikki Deloach and and Michael Rady talk to uh, the young actress named Michaela, and I'm forgetting her last name, uh, about very directly about this topic and about the subject of of grief and and allowing yourself to enjoy Christmas even if you know one of the people that made it most special for you um, is no longer there. And uh, yeah, I think that is. For me, the, you know, we're not talking about like the history of like Hallmark Hall of Fame and that kind of thing. But as far as like Hallmark Channel Christmas movies, that's my one. It's a very good question. Um, I'm actually going to go with Christmas and Evergreen. Mm. And it's not because it's my favorite, um, but it's because I think that it embodies uh, a Hallmark Christmas movie very well. It gives you a lot of cozy feels. And I, I think if there was one movie to watch over and over again to kind of, you know, feel what you want to feel, I'm going to go with Evergreen. Yeah. And you live there, you get, so you, you, you really ought to keep and it And I live there. I, yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. You've got an inn. You've got a festival <laughs> in a barn. You've got, got a the magic red truck snow globe. Flats, you've got a magic snow globe. That's a really important I mean, part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> got to have the magic snow globe. Well, with the magic snow globe, I would wish for more Hallmark movies. So it's, it's really, it's the perfect choice. It's way better than a time traveling carousel. I'll take that. Yeah, any oh, oh boy, howdy. No, no kidding. <laughs> Thank you for putting up with our rapid fire questions. Yes, I have one really question. It's, it's not related to the, the Christmas stuff. I'm a huge fall harvest fan. Okay. I have been um, standing the fall harvest lineup since they started it uh, several years ago. Although I'm not very happy with where the state it's in today. No kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, I was listening to some of your recent episodes covering the latest ones, and it's just like, what are they doing putting in like Valentine's Day practically movies or summer movies? Like they're in Miami. Like, like do they? Yeah. Do Miami. they not know very, this is fall hard? Very, yeah, very summery, very springy. Like, where's the cider? I ask you. Yes. <laughs> I, I just, I don't, I don't even know if this is your question, but I'm going to answer it. I don't know what the point is at this point. Because the only thing that Fall Harvest is accomplishing this year is making me mad (laughs) because there's no fall. Right. And so just either do it or don't do it. It's like doing Countdown to Christmas and just like, like you would never throw a summer movie into Countdown to Christmas. Why would you do that? Why? Why? Unless unless it was Christmas in Australia. (laughs) Yeah, well, sure. But they wouldn't, I don't even think they would do that. They would make no. it snow. They did of a course. Christmas movie in Carolina a couple of years ago and they made it like a, a freaking blizzard. <laughs> like, just like, I don't care if you want to do a fall movie in Miami, that's fine. But make the leaves vibrant, even if it makes no sense. Give us brown palm fronds. Something. Yeah, that's all we want. It's ridiculous. Sprinkle some gourds into the scene, at least. It's really... Uh, put, put some caramel in your mojito, whatever yeah, well, it takes. They used to know this because they used to at least put a couple of... Because you can still tell they're always filming it in Canada in the summer. But at least in the earlier films, they would have the decency to put like one little fake uh, tree in the background that had orange and yellow leaves. And it was like... It was the size of a shrub, not really a tree. And you'd wonder... <laughs> you just You would sit there wondering like... Why is this tree traveling around to different areas? Because it was clearly the exact same prop that they would just kind of put into the background. Um, and it's doing so much work. I think they just need to find maybe their like Balsam Hill sponsor for fall because Fake like dead leaves. Yeah. Well, you know, who, who, like maybe Michaels or something like, you know, Twigs are us, something. There's got to be like something they can do to up the budget on bringing the fall flavor in. 
but my question really is like, I, I'm still like, I'm holding out hope that they get, go back to understanding that the reason we're watching these movies is much the same reason people watch the Christmas ones is like, we want to get the feeling of being in that holiday in that time period, that season, right? Be that as it may, I still like what some of them are. <laughs> is there ever going to be a fall harvest version of your, of this book? Cause you do cover them on the show. So when is that coming out? Oh, it's a good question. I think once there's enough legitimate fall movies to justify, you know, publishing a book, we will do it. But at this rate, it's going to be in like the year 3000. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Don't uh, hold your breath. It's, it's partially Hallmark's fault. And I, here's the thing, though. I think that I don't know that there's anything else that Hallmark Channel does all year long that has the concentrated fan base of the Christmas movies. Like there's definitely an audience for fall. There's an audience for, you know, June wedding movies. There's an audience for Valentine's day and winter fest and, you know, the various, um, you know, seasonal things they do along the way. And, you know, I, it's always a good reminder that this is a, this is a TV network that is run by a card company. (laughs) So, you know, they are very much about like the imagery of the season and the decor, the decor of the season and all that stuff. But like Christmas is really where they pull out all the stops. Like they, pretty much own cable television for the fourth quarter of the year when that's, you know, when they start these babies up in on October and they'll do them, you know, they, you know, Hallmark channel and Hallmark movies and mysteries will give you a Christmas movie a week. And then they both kick into July. I, I keep thinking that they're going to throw their hands in the air about Christmas, about Hallmark drama and just make it a Christmas channel. Like that would be my mm-hmm. dream. Um, but yeah, I don't know that anything non Christmas that the channel does generates the kind of like, fervor that that christmas does which is not to say that yeah people do love you know the movies about dogs or the movies about you know hay rides or whatever else but like christmas is they understand their 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 bread and butter well i hope one day we do get the extended hallmark universe we have like the christmas channel and the fall channel and the dog channel i I believe in that happening one day i just think they need need to do the fall harvest movies right and then they'll get that for sure no question they've been slacking on that well solution is you write one I just think like the idea of writing a fall harvest movie, if I did it, it would, it wouldn't be any plot. It would just be like one of those slow TV things where (laughs) we're just looking at leaves. Gourds, (laughs) gourds everywhere. I I think it might end up being a superior film. Wearing, wearing a nice jacket and, you know, dunking apples into caramel for two hours. I'm there. Listen, don't, don't underestimate the power of a good cardigan. That's what I always say. For sure. Mm. 100%. Brandon Alonzo, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about oh, your book. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Where, so can, fun. So where fun. can people find you and follow up online and how can they get their hands on your book? Well, you can find us on the uh, social medias at Hallmark Podcast, except on TikTok, we're at Deck the Hallmark. And that's because we're at TikTok. one point we created a TikTok at Hallmark Podcast and none of us know that login anymore. And so just uh, act like that doesn't exist. We have a Gmail uh, account with the same thing happened to us. We just forgot the password and it's gone forever. Which yeah, I think is very, honestly, cozy. Yeah, <laughs> just fumbling I, I, around, losing logins. Yeah, what can you do? Uh, so yeah, at Hallmark Podcasts and then deckthehallmark.com where you can find ways to subscribe. And then uh, I'll be home for Christmas movies is uh, hopefully wherever you, you, you purchase books. Yeah, pretty much any anywhere out there, uh, you know, online brick and mortar. Uh, if your bookstore doesn't have it, ask them for it. They can yeah, get please. it. Yeah, uh, please. But yeah, it's a, I'm very excited because th- this is my third book and it's the first one I think that uh, you could get uh, uh, on the Walmart website. So like clearly oh. I, I'm entering a whole new world here. Uh, mm-hmm. You can find me online. I'm at A Duraldi on Twitter, A-D-U-R-A-L-D-E. Um, and I pretty much link to... All the stuff that I'm doing, um, yeah, Linoleum Knife, we're at Linoleum Cast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And then you can also catch me on the uh, the Maximum Fun podcast, Maximum Film. Um, also on Breakfast All Day, which is if you ever used to listen to a show I did called What the Flick. It's pretty much that band back together again. And uh, every so often, I've been popping up on Deck the Hallmark. So uh, mm. you can catch me there, too. And TikTok? No TikTok. We want to see you dancing I, and lip syncing. I, I, I never understood Snapchat and I don't understand. TikTok. <laughs> I don't understand it either, man. I don't know anything about this ticking talk. All right. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I wanted to make a video for all things co- cozy. Like a, those one of those Instagram reels. And so I was Googling and it 
brought me to a site called Boomer Tech, and that's when I closed the page. And I said, this is, I, can't, I can't do this. <laughs> Jillian and I took about an hour to take a photo of a sticker on the ground because we wanted to do like a like a little thing. We had like our All Things Cozy sticker and some confetti. It took us about an hour. We're not, we're not built for this social media no. machine. So no reels from us anytime soon. I, uh, I, I made a nice little uh, uh, TikTok reel thingy. And then uh, I posted it and I was like, it's going to be great. Great day. And then like Facebook and Instagram died that day. Oh, and no. um, you just, you, it, it just, it, it, you never want to admit it, but boy, that tore me apart that day. I was like, <laughs> I, I was so happy. I was like, this is going to be great. This is going to get all the love. No, Nothing. No. <laughs> That's oh, devastating. So devastating. Well, again, thank you both so much for joining us today. This was so much fun. And if you're listening, be sure to pick up your copy of I'll Be Home for Christmas Movies, the Deck the Hallmark podcast guide to your holiday TV obsession, and pick up some extra as guests for anyone you know in your life who loves these special crazy films. Or who hates them. Or who hates, honestly, who hates them. There's there's the Dan there for anyone who hates them. So (laughs) all your bases are covered. And might, might I add... Give all things cozy five stars on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Like, what are you doing Thank for you. the love? That <laughs> would make me feel cozy. I have to keep asking, and I shouldn't. But yes, please do it. Give these folks five stars for all the wonderful work they do. Thank you both for being our enforcers. Thank you. Thank you so much. May we be the first to wish you a merry, merry Christmas. Christmas. Well, that was a lot of fun. So much I fun. am a little bit hyped up, honestly. I'm way too full of Christmas spirit. I need a Christmas martini. I, yeah, we, I, I do. I do need high. one of those peanut butter cup martinis for sure. So let's calm ourselves and wind down with some soothing sounds. Jillian, what sound is soothing you this week? So this week I am listening to Shannon Lay's A Thread to Find. And it was released in August, but it comes from the October 8th album, Geist. And Sub Pop said, Lay wrote the song after walking into an old hotel in Switzerland and being struck by the feeling like she's been there before, which is a testament to the energy we leave behind and stumble across. And that's a really cozy idea to me because I'm very comforted by the idea that some of my favorite memories or some of the best things I've done are replaying over and over in time. And I take comfort in that and I find that cozening, cozy, cozying. It's the I find that cozy, <laughs> the cozening. <laughs> That's for our Halloween episode. Um, <laughs> so let's take a listen to A Thread to Find. To feel the street beneath your feet, to leave a thread to find. There hasn't been a story since that's not worth telling. I love the pace of the song. It's really chill and it really pulls you in. And also watching the video, there's just this, they're in the studio in the video and I love the shots of the dog just wandering around. Yes. And that first um, image of a photo of a cat wrapped in a blanket that's framed in this very antique looking frame. I just thought it was so cozy and cute. It's a great find, Jillian. I love it. Thank you. My soothing sound this week is from Australian singer-songwriter Courtney Barnett. The song is called Write a List of Things to Look Forward to, already a cozy title, and it's from her Mm -hmm. upcoming third album, Things Take Time, Take Time, out on November 12th. It's a song about focusing on the stuff that gets you through all the crazy things in the world and in life, and I think we could all use that reminder and that grounding, right, in this day and age. So let's take a listen to Write a List of Things to Look Forward to by Courtney Barnett. another cozy music video yeah so it's really just courtney barnett opening up a lot of presents from from somebody who's mailing her these things that she that, that are enhancing her life like she has a sad plant that's dying she gets a record of plant music to help it recover um i just really like the, I, I i feel like it's speaking to the time that we're in right where there's just a lot going on in the world 
and you know, you just got to keep it moving. And I'm looking forward to connecting with my friends and family who are keeping me going through all of it. And it has an upbeat yet relaxing tone, which is sometimes I think hard to strike. And we cover a lot of songs that are slower in pace. And so it's nice to have that, that change. It'll get your blood pressure up a little bit in a good way. Yeah. I mean, this is <laughs> a compliment, but I would love to have this on while I'm cleaning. That's always the highest compliment from you, Julian. I know, I know I've picked a good one when you're like, I could clean to this. No, I really, because you, you don't have the windows open. You're maybe mopping, a little vacuuming, and you have a good song playing. When aren't you, you cleaning? I, I feel like what I is am Jay doing to you? dusting a lot. <laughs> I need to pick, uh, uh, take that up with the missus. <laughs> Cinder Julian, turn that down. It's cozy, but we can't hear it anymore because we're about to head into the cozy library. Yeah, and it's been a minute since we opened the doors to the library, but here we are. And this week, we are taking a look at Murder Most Actual. It's out on November 9th. And it was <laughs> I, I can't get enough of that title. <laughs> <laughs> and it was recommended by our dear friend and listener, Norma G. And it was written by Alexis Hall. So here is a, a snippet. Uh, From the author of Boyfriend Material and Rosaline Palmer, Takes the Cake comes a cozy mystery that revisits the golden age of detective fiction, starring a heroine who's more podcaster than private eye and topped with a lethal dose of parody. Perfect for fans of Clue, Knives Out, and Only Murders in the Building. So they have our number. They do, definitely. So here is the synopsis. When up-and-coming true crime podcaster Eliza and her corporate financer wife, Hannah, so there's gay, Um, head to a luxurious hotel in the Scottish Highlands. They're hoping for a chance to rekindle their marriage, not to find themselves trapped in the middle of an Agatha Christie-esque murder mystery with no way home. But who better to take on the case than someone whose entire profession relies on an obsession with all things mysterious and macabre? Though some of her fellow guests may consider her an interfering new media hack, Liza knows a thing or two about crime, and despite Hannah's preference for waiting out the chaos behind a locked door, might be the only one capable of discovering the killer. As the bodies rack up and the stakes rise, can they save their marriage and their lives? I really hope so. This, uh, there I are so, so many, like, I think this is right on theme of mm-hmm. kind of a, uh, a new trend in more and more podcasters being the center of stories. And, you know, it's really good to be seen. Yeah, who, who's going to write the book on us? Well, maybe this this is kind of... We're not a true crime podcast, but I, I, I do feel like they, they keep popping up more and more. Like, Only Murders in the Building is all about podcasting, mm-hmm. right? This book centers on a podcaster. So once a mocked profession, I think... <laughs> while still mocked. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> Emphasis on mocked. Maybe it's at least becoming a little more um, mainstream and we can accept that people do this. <laughs> So thank you, Alexis, for representing podcasters in your book. Looking forward Podcaster to checking out. Writes. That's right. <laughs> Murder Most Actual, which is out on November 9th. And we have a candle to light the pages of the book we're reading. Jillian has our candle review for this week. What are we sniffing today, Jillian? We're taking a trip back to the mountains. Uh, we got two candles from Mountain Maid by 22-year-old Eva, the childhood dream of hers to make this company. And so it's based in Julian, where that I visited for the apple picking episode. And of course we couldn't leave just with one candle. So this scent is Becky's pumpkin pie. And I thought it was fitting for this episode. This episode will be airing in November. So it has a nice scent of pumpkin. And I think the spice element kind of even gives it a Christmas feel because some spice can smell like there's different smells associated with spice. There's the very (laughs) spices (laughs) smell different. True. (laughs) But I guess the the pumpkin or the sweet spices. So some have the fall and some have the cold wintry scent. And so you would think this would have a fall spicy smell, but it's more of a wintry spice. Mm. Like a more of a peppermint. Pumpkin pie does, you know, it does a double duty, right? You know, it's really carrying us through October, November, and December. Yeah. So this has a great throw, just like I assume, as Matt mentioned, uh, the apple candle, which we reviewed a few months ago. So I this gives a wick up for me. It, it does the the trick. I think Becky's pumpkin pie is a cozy name, and I love all things pumpkin. And if you are 
kind of moving out of the fall into winter. I believe this will be up your alley because it has more of the wintry spice scent. Wow, Mountain Maid does it again. We're going to have to buy some stock in Mountain Maid, Julian. Yeah. Before we wrap up, a couple of shout outs. Thank you to new listener, Steffi, for sending us a nice message and cozy recommendation on Instagram. Welcome to the cozy community. And thank you to Jace the Realtor from Phoenix for shouting out our podcast on your Instagram stories. We really appreciate the support. Thanks to all of you for listening. We really appreciate you. If you are interested in supporting the show, we have a Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash allthingscozy. You can contribute um, any amount that you feel comfortable with. We don't have tiers. Any amount counts and is really helpful for us. So, And thank you to all our patrons for making the show possible. You can also keep up with us online by following our social media accounts. We're at All Things Cozy Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We were so delighted to talk to Alonzo and Bran today. It was a pure, pure delight. So please do check out their book. Check out the Deck the Hallmark podcast. You're doing yourself a favor. Prime cozy content. Yes. We'll be back in your ears in just two more weeks with more coziness. Until next time, stay, stay cozy. cozy.